Well, let's give a big hand if you're ready to receive the word of the Lord today. Come on now, put your hands together. We welcome all those watching online today from around the world, and we welcome those that are here in-house. And what an awesome day on Father's Day to share the word of the Lord. We're in the middle of a series, a DNA series this summer, and today we're talking about the DNA of a godly father. The DNA of a godly father. Almost twice as much money is spent on Mother's Day than Father's Day. Come on, dads, what's up with that? Have you ever noticed that moms get Gucci and dads gets Hanes? Those fruit of loom right there, yeah. I mean, moms, can you imagine what would happen? What kind of outrage there would be if moms for Mother's Day, you opened up and got underwear from your kids. I just don't see moms being very happy about that. But dads, it's, it's okay. It's dad. It's dad. dad. Dad'll take it. Yeah, okay. How about this? A, a true father doesn't celebrate the gifts from his children. A true father celebrates the gift of his children. He sees the true gift of children. To all the titles people have called me over the years, the many titles I've wore, accomplishments that I've had, none is greater of an honor than the title of father. For those of you that have been here for a long time, you know that when my family was younger, oftentimes I would bring them on stage with me on Father's Day. And I would tell the church at the very beginning, when we first started the church, that if it comes down to my family or spending time with you, if I'm being pulled one way or the other, my family was always going to win. No disrespect to you. I love you. But no disrespect to you, but I was not going to win the world and lose my family. I made it a priority in my life and in my children's life. Because why? Because there's no greater honor than the title of father. Being a father is a greatest, one of the greatest joys you'll ever have. But it's also one of the biggest challenges you'll ever have. Fatherhood is a balancing act of both joy and challenge. Can the dad say amen? See, it's a joy watching my children become teenagers, but it's a challenge knowing their friends have just as much or more influence than I do. It's a joy watching them become young adults. It's a challenge watching them think they know everything. It's a joy helping them develop things they like and they're good at. It's a challenge making sure they develop into what God wants them to be and not what I want them to be. It's a challenge. It's a joy to teach them how to drive a car for the first time. It's a challenge to watch them drive away in your car for the first time. Some of your parents never prayed so hard in your life. It's a joy trying to see them grow up and be taller than dad. I'm taller than you. I'm getting there. It's a challenge to feed those growing kids. It's a joy, and it's a challenge both. It's a joy seeing them grow. It's a challenge seeing them grow and spread their wings. Uh, listen. Wouldn't it have been nice if they were sent home 
instructions manual with our children from the hospital? I mean, how many dads, come on, raise your hand, dad. Think it'd be nice if they sent home an instructions manual how to be a father. You wouldn't have read it. Come on now, come on. Since when do you read directions? All the wives said, amen, not too loud, okay. But it would have been at least nice. Too many men have grown up without a male role model in their life, showing them how to be a real man, showing them how to be a real father, showing them how to be a real gentleman, showing them how to be an honorable man. Too many of us are growing up. We have generation now producing fatherless children. Let me make something to you very clear. Just turn to your neighbor and say, before you even get started today, he's going to step on somebody's toes, so just get ready. All right. But it's, it's something you got to see today. It takes a male to conceive a child, but a real man to raise that child. Let's look at this again. Let's put it up, please, guys. It takes a male to conceive a child, but a real man to raise that child. Too many people are being raised without a father. Too many children are being raised without a father. There's an effort to separate manhood from fatherhood. If you don't know this, this has been going on for a long time. It's even stronger now than it's ever been. There's an attack on your DNA as a father, as a man. First it was real men, get me. I do what I want. I do what's best for me. If my kids need me, they'll find me. If my kids know I'm there if they need me but I'm going to go after and get what I want. Real men, huh, do that. No, real men step up, lead their family. Real men step up, are there for their children. There's an all-out attack. I've seen a morning program, national morning talk show news program the other day, and they were debating. They had someone on there, and now they were saying that a woman can now be a father. It doesn't take a male to be a father. And the host said, that's not possible. They said, yeah, it is. A woman can do anything a man can do. And he said, no, that's not true. It's not true. Now listen, first of all, I applaud all the single moms who've had to step up and do both because dad was absent. I applaud you moms who had to carry the load when dad wasn't there. But let me tell you this, you can't do everything a father can do. Children need a father present in their life. They need a dad speaking to them. They need a dad leading them. They need this very, very much. So today I'm going to read a passage to you. Now, remember how I told you that oftentimes I'll read something and I've been preaching it for years and years and years. And every time I see it, I get something different. I'm actually going to read a chapter that I've read now three times in the last six weeks. And the Lord gave this to me in a totally different way. I'm going to unfold it for you today. I hope that it blesses you. We're going to look at Jesus' account here when he was baptized again. I think we're going to learn something here. Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, no, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? This is Jesus' reply. Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Now, let's see what happened. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, the heavens were open. 
and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and with him I'm well pleased. I see something here that I believe that all of us can begin to take. There, there's something here I want us to see, some examples of a father. So today, if you're a father, this message is for you. If you're not a father, this message is for you because it's going to show us, number one, how God the Father treated his son as a godly role model. Some of you didn't have that. So you're going to see God laying out a foundation of how we treat our children. And then you're also today, you're going to see how God sees us and how God longs to have a relationship with us and speak over us as well. Let me ask you this question. Let's do a little Bible lesson here. How many times do you ever see God speaking publicly to a group of people straight from his voice? Remember, up until this point, you have to go all the way back to the book of Exodus to see where God was speaking to people publicly one-on-one. He was speaking to a crowd. He was giving them, remember he was giving the Ten Commandments, and they said, Moses, tell God not to speak to us. We're afraid we'll die if we hear his voice. So you speak for God. You go, you go let God tell you, and then you speak for God. And from that moment on, we see where God used prophets. He used Moses. He used angels to speak for him. He sent an angel to speak to Mary. He sent an angel to speak to Joseph. He sent an angel to speak to Jeremiah. He, he sent prophets to speak to his people. But until then, God's been silent when it comes to speaking himself to a group of people. Now, all of a sudden, Jesus is baptized and the heavens open and God audibly begins to speak to a group of people. This should get our attention because he didn't show up wearing his hat as a mighty warrior, his victorious crown, or his miracle-working God. He didn't show up wearing any of those hats. He showed up wearing the father hat and said, this is my, my son. I am very proud of him. I love him. He showed up as a father, showed up, was present there for his son. He showed up speaking some things. This is what warranted him publicly speaking to us once again was his son as a father. So he demonstrates three things here. I want you to write this down. Number one, a godly father is present. Presence. Godly fathers show up in their kid's life. Our children need you to show up, Dad. Godly fathers show up in their kids' lives. Godly fathers know if it involves my child, I will be there. We have too many parents, especially fathers, who think gifts are the number one love language of our children. That is wrong. The number one love language of our children is quality time. Dad, they need quality time with you. Our kids, look at this, our kids don't need presence. They need our presence. Oh, I'm about to preach the microphone off this floor right here today. I'm going to tell you right now. Listen, Dad, our kids don't need your gifts. They need your presence, Dad. They don't need a new car. They need you. They don't need a bigger bank account. They need you. Dad, they need you. Dad, they need you. Dad, they need you. Our kids need you. 
Our kids, they need you. God the Father wasn't invited. We don't see where John the Baptist got up and said, Heavenly Father, would you join us today? But he showed up anyway. He opened up. He parted the clouds and came on out and spoke right there. He showed up. Why? Because godly fathers don't wait to be invited. They show up in their kid's life. Well, my ex doesn't want me around. Well, you're going to have to figure it out because your kids need you around. You better figure it out. Well, she won't let me legally. I can't. Well, you better work three jobs, get yourself a lawyer, and get present in your kids' life. They need you there. I applaud. We have people in this church who were divorced. They started coming here, and then they invited their ex to come here, and now they come here together. Why? Because their children are involved, and they said, we're going to put our children first over our own top priority. <laughs> applaud those parents. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to be evident. We're going to be present in our kids' life. They need us there. Godly fathers show up for the little things as well as the big things. God didn't wait to show up when Jesus did a big miracle. Now, if it had been you and I, I would have waited until he was walking across water. When Jesus went walking across the water, I would have showed up and said, that's my boy. I taught him how to skip across the lake just like that. Yeah. Let's see, your boy tried that. Yeah, okay. You're skipping stones. Watch this. Hey, son, go for it, Junior. <laughs> skip. That'd have been me. But no, he shows up before he does the big miracle. He shows up for his baptism. He shows up first for the small things. A man who shows up for his child big things is called a fan. A man who shows up for the small things is called a father. A fan shows up for graduation. A father shows up for parent-teacher conference. Come on, dads, where are you? I'd show up to a parent-teacher conference and the teachers would look shocked. What are you doing here? Where's your wife? I'm not going to know. I want to know what's going on in my kids' life. I know all that great stuff, but ask me, are they obeying in this classroom? I want to know. Did they give you any trouble in this classroom? If so, you better let me know. <laughs> let me know. And they... You know what happens when dad shows up? Your kid gets treated different. I can't tell you how many teachers and administrators are like, I appreciate you being here. We love having fathers in the building. Thanks for showing up. They will treat your kid different knowing dad's showing up. You better not mess with that kid. His dad showed up. All right. You better make sure they're doing right. You better make sure they're on top of things. A fan shows up for birthday parties. Father shows up to put his kid in bed. Proclamation, number two, write this down, proclamation. Godly fathers proclaim, I love you and I'm proud of you. Godly fathers proclaim, I love you and I'm proud of you. The heavens open, and what did he say? This is my son, whom I love and I'm well pleased. He says, I love my son and I'm very proud of my son. He begins to proclaim that over Jesus right there. Godly fathers know they got to proclaim, I love you and I'm proud of you. Pastor, I don't know how to tell my kids I love them. I never had that from anybody. My dad didn't do that to me. Well, listen, 
It's time for you to start a new trend. It's time for you to start something new. Your kids don't need to grow up with that mess you grew up in. You grow up hugging your kids. You grow up telling them you love them. It's the most godly thing you can, you can do is wrap your arms around your children and let them know their love. Let them know you're proud of them just because they're your children. Godly men tell their children their love and they're proud of them. Before they had done any public ministry, Jesus says, the Father says, I'm proud of your son. You know, my, my kids have all done great things. And I've always had a chance to brag on them one-on-one and I tell them how proud I am of all of my children. So proud of every one of my children. I can spend the rest of this service just telling you of all the good things they do. I'm so proud. I'm a proud dad. Just like you're a proud father, proud mother. You know, on two occasions, I had one son who was going to start his first varsity game, his 10th grade year, which was a big deal at Webb City. And I had another son who didn't start his first varsity game until his senior year, which is a big deal at Webb City. And he was 100 pounds lighter than his brother, so it took him a while, okay? But he had to work twice as hard because he was the smallest guy. And both of them, when they both went out before the very first game of the season, and they began to play in front of thousands of people, and I knew it was going to be cheering, and people are going to be afterwards hugging them and taking a picture and telling them how proud they were of them. Before that game, I took them both out. I said, son, I want you to know, there's going to be a lot of people out there tonight telling you they're proud of them. And I am proud of you, son. But I want you to know I'm not proud of you because of what you're going to accomplish on the field. I'm proud of you because you're my son. I'm proud of you because you're mine. If you never play another game, I'm already proud of you, son. If you never start another game, I'm already proud of you, son. I'm already proud of you, daughter. Why? It was moments like that because I didn't want to teach my children that the love and affirmation comes only when they do big things. Otherwise, they'll spend the rest of their life trying to get dad's love and affirmation by trying to do something big for dad's attention. I affirm them before they ever do anything because my love is not based on their performance. It's based on our relationship. Godly fathers tell their children they love them and they're proud of them. Nothing builds confidence in your children like hearing a parent, especially a father, say, daughter, son, I love you and I'm proud of you. You can do anything. I believe in you. I believe the best for your life. I believe you can do even better things. I'm behind you 100%. Whatever you choose to do, I'm in your corner. I'm your fan. Every child needs a father who sees possibilities of greatness far beyond when the child can't see it themselves. You see it in them, and you call it out of them. Some of you didn't have a father who, who did that for you. Some of you didn't have a father who, who spoke greatness out of you and saw it into you. So as your spiritual father today, let me tell you this, that I see greatness in you. I see God moving in you. I see God doing, growing your life. I see God using you. I see you living better than what you're living right now. I see you as a man of God. I see you as a woman of God. I see you excelling and doing things for God. I want, to, I want to call that out in you. I see that. I want to speak those words of affirmation over your life. Why, why, listen, why did Jesus, think about this, why did Jesus need the Father to speak, I love you and I'm proud of you, son, in chapter three? Because if you go on and read the story, chapter four shows up. 
And in chapter 4, the Bible says Jesus went into the wilderness and there he faced his greatest struggle. There he faced his greatest temptations. There he had to face the enemy for himself. He had to go face the enemy head on by himself. He had to go and the enemy was there. And the enemy shows up and says, if you are the son of God, giving him the doubt who he really is. If you are, and he keeps coming to him and he's trying to get him the doubt. Listen, all of our children are going to have their wilderness experience. The enemy is going to come for their lives. The enemy is going to come for their identity. The enemy is going to come. The enemy is going to come and he's going to try to tempt them, try to doubt their relationship with God, try to doubt who they are. And you as a father have the ability to speak over them now. You are a child of God. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I'm already proud of you. You have the ability, listen to me, you have the ability to stop them from falling for every temptation in the wilderness. Dads, your daughters are going to walk into the wilderness and they're going to have some man show up and say, how are you doing? Baby, I love you. I love you. Oh, you are so beautiful. You're, you're so beautiful. I love you, girl. I love you, girl. And if she hasn't heard that from her dad, I, she's going to like that. And she goes, that feels good to hear that. I love you. I love you. I'll do anything for you. And she'll fall for some guy she should not have fallen for. Why? Because you didn't speak to her lies. Let me say to this. It's easy to try to gain his love and affection to do whatever it takes because she never got the affection from her father. She needs a dad to step up and say, daughter, you're beautiful. I love you. God's got a great plan for your life. And you model that and she'll say, you know what? You may say you love me, but my dad would never treat me the way you're treating me right now. So until you get yourself a job... So you get a job and learn how to open the door for a lady until you quit trying to text me with these dude photos of yourself and learn how to get some self-respect. I'm going to delete you and block me off. Well, come on now. I'm preaching where they're at. We need some fathers step up and teach their daughters what a man looks like. Come on, dads. Be present in your daughter's life. Be present in your son's life. Raise them up to be gentlemen. Have a heart for God. Teach them how to work hard for what they want in life, that no one's going to hand them anything, but they can have anything they want if they're not willing to work for it. Teach them. Teach them, dads. They need you. They need you. And number three today, we see what happens. It says the heavens opened up. And then it says, the Spirit of God came and descended on him like a dove. So God speaks over, God shows up. He speaks, I love you. He speaks affirmation that I'm well pleased. And then the Spirit of God descends and rests upon him. Listen, the Holy Spirit. Godly fathers give their children the Holy Spirit. It's a stat I've read before, and I think it warrants being read again today. Your kid, listen, mom, listen, dad, your kid has a zero point zero three percent chance of ever making it to a professional sport, but they have a hundred percent chance 
of standing before God one day. Are you hearing me, Dad? The most important thing you can do is give your kids the Holy Spirit. The most important thing you can do is give them the Spirit of God. That man, we're going to be in the house of the Lord. We're going to honor the Lord. And then everything else will work out. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they're going to go through their wilderness experience. And it's the Holy Spirit that's going to keep them. They're going to suffer, but the Holy Spirit's going to guide them. They're going to face great temptation. It's the Holy Spirit that can sustain and help them defeat it. It's the greatest gift you can give your children is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do they know Jesus? Are they serving Jesus? Are they surrendering their life fully to the Spirit of God? Listen, Dad, you can teach your child how to build a car from the ground up. You can teach them how to build new homes. You can teach them how to make money. You can teach them how to throw a ball. You can teach them how to pass tests. You can teach them how to get high degrees. But the most important gift you can give your child is a gift of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is what godly fathers do. Some of you here today, listen, I don't want you to know this. This message was meant in no condemnation at all. I share this message in love because I want to pour in to the next generation of fathers. I'm your spiritual, spiritual dad, your pastor, and I've got to pour this into you. Say, Pastor, I, I'm really feeling convicted today. I really messed up. I should have done better. Listen, all you can do now is allow God to restore your life. That's the beautiful thing about serving God. The Bible is full of scripture that says when we put him first, that God can restore what the enemy has stolen out of our life and he can make your latter years greater than what's behind you. He can make what's greater ahead of you what's behind you. He can make you a great parent to your adult children. He can make you even a greater grandparent than you was parent and allow you to invest in the next generation. It's the beauty of what God does to restoring us. And today, I want this to challenge you. I want you to bow your heads. and I want to, first of all, just ask every person in the room, are you a child of God? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Maybe you have. Maybe you haven't. And if you haven't, today's your day. Maybe you did a long time ago. You said, Pastor, I, I haven't lived for God in a long time. And I need to come back and just renew that relationship as well. So whether you want to renew your relationship with God or you want to surrender for the first time to Jesus Christ. If that's you, nobody's looking and we won't embarrass you, I promise you. We're not going to single you out. But can you just lift it where I'm at so I can see you? That's me, Pastor, today. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Come on, guys. I see you. Raise those hands. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. If you raise your hand, I want you to say this prayer with me. As Christians around you, we'll help you along. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I surrender all of my life to you. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will live for you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, we say welcome to the family. God, give him a big hand clap. Yeah.